Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Thursday, October 28, 2021. And today will be better than yesterday. Producing from his home studio in the foothills of Connecticut is the Reverend Taylor Schwenk. I'm Buster Only, working from my hotel room today in Houston. Getting ready, Taylor, to fly to Atlanta later today. I got to say, you know, we're all, all reporters covering this event. Uh, get very selfish. And the travel in this series is awesome. Like one flight, Houston, Atlanta. Yeah, that's easy. Which city do you like more, Houston or Atlanta? No, no offense taken from people, uh, you know, listening to this. Well, I just uh, I'm more accustomed to downtown Houston because, of course, I and I haven't been at a World Series in Truist, so I don't really I don't really have a feel for how that's going to be. Um, we're staying in a hotel that's uh, within a mile of the ballpark, though, and that'll be pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, then make it easy. All right, some news and notes as we get started today. Nelson Cruz was named the winner of the Roberto Clemente Award. For his philanthropy, the 17-year veteran and 50th winner of the award provided financial support to 1,200 families in his hometown in the Dominican Republic during the COVID-19 pandemic. Nelson is going around yesterday on the field getting hugs from everybody, people excited that he's being honored in this way. A roller derby team is suing the Cleveland Guardians to stop their name use. Uh, according to the uh, complaint, Major League Baseball club cannot simply take a smaller team's name and use it for itself. The lawsuit said there cannot be two Cleveland Guardians teams in Cleveland. And to be blunt, plaintiff was here first. First pitch is part of ESPN Nation brought to you by Dr. Pepper. College football is back. and So are the fans. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Last night here in Houston, game two of the World Series Jose Urquidy set a tone in the top of the first. Rosario trying to battle it. Remains 0-2 and a swing and a miss on the next pitch. He got him with a change. And Urquidy strikes out the first batter of the ball game. 3-2 fastball over the outside corner for strike three called. Back-to-back strikeouts for Jose Urquidy. Urquidy gathering in the side from Maldonado. Big pitch in the early going. 2-2 fastball swung on and missed. And Urquidy strikes out Solaire. In the bottom of the first inning with the Astros hitting, they had a runner at third base. And Alex Bregman, the play, Bregman's really been struggling, but he came through and put the ball in play. And the 2-2 on the way to Bregman. And this one is lined to center field. Fairly deep, going back to Duvall to make the catch. And Altuve can easily tag it to come into score. A sack fly for Alex Bregman and a one to nothing lead for the Astros. The Braves would tie the score in the top of the second. Two down on the bases empty, 1-0 Houston. 3-2 and a fastball hit hard to left field and this one is gone. Travis Darno on a full count pitch. Lines one into the Crawford boxes and Atlanta has tied it at one. And Dan Schulman with that call on ESPN Radio who's doing these broadcasts alongside Jessica Mendoza and Eduardo Perez. Uh, we all met with Dusty Baker before game two of the World Series, and he explained his reasoning for putting in Jose Siri into lineup. He wanted some energy. Talked about how much this uh, guy brings to his team in that regard. Boy, we saw it in the bottom of the second. And swinging a weak ground ball past the mound. It'll go out to Albies at second. Throw to first. Not in time. Siri beats it out. Tucker in to score. Guriel up to second. All kinds of emotion from Siri. Give him an RBI on the infield hit, and the Astros have a 2-1 to lead. And it continued. 
Max Freed in a jam here in the second inning. A run in, two men on with a one out. And the 1-1, a slider pulled through the hole in the left field, a base hit. Guriel around third, he'll come in to score. Siri to third, the throw gets away to the backstop. Siri will score! Maldonado to second. And it is 4-1 Houston. Yeah, and uh, Taylor, I don't know if you saw Siri when he went across home plate. He was like he was a professional wrestler engaging the crowd, getting them pumped up after he scored. Oh, I loved it. (laughs) Jose Altuve uh, came to the plate in the bottom of the seventh inning with Houston in control of this game, 6-2. Smiley on the season, 11-4 with a 448 ERA is the first pitch that he throws to Jose Altuve is cranked out of the ballpark. Man, oh man, did Altuve get all of that. Hit it down the left field line for a home run to extend the lead. And it is 7-2 for the Astros. And that would be the final score. The World Series now tied one game apiece. Right after the game, I talked to Jose Altuve. Jose, Dusty said he felt like you guys were a little bit flat in game one. How did game two feel differently to you? Uh, You know, I think we were a little bit more aggressive but at the same time controlling the sum and it works pretty good for us. Jose Siri was putting a lineup today to add energy. What'd you see in him? Yeah he brings a lot of energy when he's in the lineup or in the dugout. You know he's he's the kind of guy that you want to have in your team. He's gonna play hard. He got a big hit today, you know, he the the single to second base that was huge and big moment and with good scores on run after that. Twenty two home runs in the postseason in seventy five games. Why do you turn to Jeff Bagwell this time of year? <laughs> I don't know, you know, I'm, like I said many times, I'm just trying to help my team. You know, we all know how important it was to win tonight, and, you know, I'm, I'm happy and thankful with uh, with the fans, with everybody that's supporting us right now. What was it like to see a fastball in the first pitch in that home run? Uh, it was good, you know, I was I was looking for something on the sound that I can drive, and I got it, and I'm, I'm very happy I hit it out. Marley Rivera spoke with Jose Siri. Jose, first of all, primero que nada, Jose, en este momento lo que hiciste en un partido como este y esa emoción que tenías, me cuentas un poco, Jose, your emotions on the base, it started that rally. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Eh, estaba muy emocionado, eh, cuando me viene el I know ahí tranquilo, eh, estaba emocionado pero no nervioso. So, entonces, nada, nada, ando 100% en el terreno, no importa si me poncho, lo hago en la defensa, si, si no lo hago en la defensa, lo hago en la, en la ofensa. The most important thing for me was to have energy. And I'm not going to say that I was nervous, but I was pretty energetic for a World Series game. And I knew that if I didn't contribute on offense, I could do it on defense. It didn't matter if I struck out, I was going to do my best right there. Jose, esto fue como una celebración, como si esto estuvieras con Fernando Tatis y ganaron en República Dominicana. Was this sort of like a celebration like you were with Tatis Jr. and you guys had just won the championship with the Dominican? Like, what was it like today? What was that feeling like today? Eh, ¿Qué te digo? Esa es mi forma. Yo, yo soy así. Eh, cualquier, carre, cualquiera, cualquier carrera, uh-huh. siempre estoy activo, siempre estoy con los muchachos. Vamos, vamos, vamos allá. Eh. Uh-huh. Vamos a meter mano, aunque hace ponche, siempre levanto los ánimos, siempre estamos ahí, estamos apoyándonos uno al otro. The most important thing for me is to have that energy all the time. I'm actually like that. I don't care. I run the bases. I have a good time. I strike out. I pull for my guys. And that's just who I am. I do a little dancing and a little fun. Hoy vas a tener un poquito de bailecito. Is there going to be some dancing to celebrate today? No, no, no. Eh, tranquilo hoy. Tú sabes que todavía no se puede celebrar bien, pero falta otro más. 
baño de champaña. It's no time to celebrate yet. We will celebrate at the end when we get to do it with champagne. One last thing, Jose. Can you tell me what you saw from Urquidi today and how important was his performance today? Hablame de lo que hizo Jose Urquidi and how important was that performance? ¿Cuán importante fue el desempeño que él tuvo hoy? Bueno, fue muy importante y más cuando tú sabes que hubo una jugada que cuando yo dirigí después me envasé, pude anotar cuando me fui para tercera y se sintió más libre, ¿qué te digo? Tuvo más enfoque y gracias a Dios pudo controlar un poquito a los bateadores de ellos. One of the things that was great that he did was control the batters and control the zone, particularly really good hitters like the Braves, and he really was the key to one of our wins today. Felicidades, te felicito, congratulations. Gracias, José. Yeah, and I've got stories about Jose Siri and his energy <laughs> later when I talk to Chris Singleton. Braves manager Brian Sitker was asked if he's worried about the sloppy play in the Braves infield in game two. Not not at all, because, um, you know, the one yesterday, I think it was just a topspin ground ball. Um, we haven't been on this field a lot. I think that's got something to do with that. And you know what? It happens. Over the course of 162 games that we just played and how good our guys are defensively it doesn't bother me one bit he was asked about how he feels after game two good well, you know when we came in you want to split i think that's you know obviously you want to win two but if you get out of here with a split then that's a good thing going home Braves catcher travis darno was asked about what truest park will be like in game three electric um a lot of fun can't wait can't wait to get back home taylor what do you got Buster, you know it, I know it, everyone listening knows it. You can listen to the World Series on ESPN Radio all weekend long as the series turns to Atlanta. Tune in Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern for pregame coverage. And if you need more Buster in your life, I know I do, you will likely find him on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, probably on the earlier side. If I had to guess, you can listen to KJM on ESPN Radio Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Time. It also airs on ESPN News and is available to download wherever you listen to podcasts last note here watch nba today on espn monday through friday 3 p.m eastern noon pacific malika andrews at the helm she's joined by espn's full cast of nba experts insiders reporters and more that's nba today 3 p.m eastern noon pacific on espn the espn app and wherever you can consume it as a podcast dogs are an important part of our lives and keeping them protected is a top priority especially against nasty parasites That's why you get to check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes. The clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, 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 with nothing on your roof.
Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Chris Angleton is an analyst for ESPN Radio, and you'll hear him during the coverage of the World Series again this year. Singy, how you doing this morning? Doing great. Uh, pretty pretty good game in terms of pace last night, Buster. I mean, these games in the postseason have been, uh, a lot of them have been really long. Game one, I thought, was uh, pretty lengthy, but I thought last night moved along pretty well. Yep. Uh, when you get pitchers who throw strikes, stay on the mound like Arkady did early on, uh, it makes a huge difference, that's for sure. I, I said something, I heard you laugh when I said it uh, during the postgame show about how, you know, the way the games have played out, the way the two teams are, I have no idea what's going to happen in the last five games. Uh, yeah, how about I, you? What's, uh, your, what's your feel right now? Buster, I agree with you 100%. Um, even coming into the series, there was a bit of this, I don't know exactly which way you lean. You could lean towards the Astros with the offense, um, from a starting pitching perspective, you kind of lean towards the Braves. That was with Charlie Morton, now minus Charlie Morton. Now Max Freed um, rendered, um, let's just say, not dominant uh, like he has been the second half of the season. And now you're just looking and saying, man, this could get this. At some point, this could be a mess with three, four, five, no days off. Uh, bullpens being relied upon heavily. Um, buckle up, folks. And especially if there's some uh, uh, weather in Atlanta, which they're talking about this weekend. Uh, oh, I didn't be- know that. What what, uh, what are they talking about? What days might be a problem? Well, I know today. So uh, I live outside of the Atlanta area and, you know, it is uh, raining today. Waking up. Kevin Winter was talking about in the pregame show that uh, things didn't look uh, real good this weekend. So we'll have to we'll have to take a look here at the forecast and see if I can pull something up. But, you know, Atlanta, how it is, it can be the summer time and uh you know you're getting some rain but particularly here at the end of october it could be a little bit uh dicey so let's see i've got friday night 70 percent chance of rain buster saturday 50 percent chance okay um and just uh and of course if in fact that were to lead to some sort of a postponement those forecasts that you just mentioned uh, it would make a messy pitching situation even messier oh for both teams because it would take away the off day on Monday. They'd squeeze yeah. everything back one more day, and you potentially could have five games in five days, <laughs> which would oh, be boy. a lot of fun. Well, uh, stay loose because they might need you to throw an inning. Oh, the Braves are looking well. That you know they are going to reach for a Vanderbilt guy. I think as we go down the stretch, we'll talk about that in a second. Real quick before we get into some of what happened in Game Two and what could happen uh, ahead. Um, It was mentioned, I think Eduardo Perez was was, uh, mentioning to us in the booth last night about how the market for tickets in the secondary market is exploding in Atlanta. Like there is a ton of interest in this World Series in Atlanta. Tell me about that. Yeah. So uh, I would say for I live about 45 minutes from Truist Park and, you know, give or take traffic or not. But obviously this this entire area is saturated uh, in Buster. I live 10 minutes from the Gwinnett Braves, which is the AAA. Well, they're the stripers now, um, but the Braves AAA team. So as you can imagine, I mean, this is Braves country as, as they advertise. I, I've gotten texts. I never played for the Braves, but I've gotten texts from individuals, as you would expect, Hey, do you got any tickets for the Braves game? And I don't know, for some reason, 
people have never been able to separate over the years between, okay, even though you still work in baseball and you work for ESPN, that doesn't mean you get tickets at ballparks for games, but we always, you know, do have connections, but you know, like, like anything, this is the worst time to, to lean on any of those connections for, for any tickets. For me, I'd say personally, Walt Weiss has always been a, a really good uh, friend in that way. And has always taken care of tickets for me, but uh, to your, to answer your question, yes, um, it's coming from every angle and people that weren't even associated with the organization organization that are associated with baseball or being leaned on by friends for perhaps uh, a hookup on some tickets or, or better pricing. But yeah, one buddy was about to go stub hub, I think yesterday. And he said, yeah, it's going to be expensive, but I got to do it. Yeah. I, I think the, uh, the, the lowest price and the tickets that uh, Wardo was looking at last night was a thousand dollars a piece. Um, wow. You know, just a lot of, and we saw that a lot of interest in the team this year. And Dan pointed out, uh, you know, in our off-air conversation that there were years in the playoffs, you know, 10, 12, 15 years ago where the Braves couldn't even sell out their games at Turner. Yeah. Uh, and now we have a situation where people can't wait to go watch them in Truist. So that, that'll certainly yeah. add to the atmosphere. Um, we had a, a decision last night by Dusty Baker that was rooted in anything other than statistical analysis singing. And that was to play Jose Siri and mm. Dusty, you know, we ta- asked him about that choice to insert him in center field. And Dusty said that watching the Astros play in Monday uh, in, in game one on Tuesday, he just felt like they were flat. And he mm. said, I'm, I'm putting uh, this kid in because he has energy. You know, he'll run like crazy He'll make a cannon throw. The excitement that he has is palpable. And see, I haven't been around the Astros much this year in in the Sunday night uh, assignments that I have. We didn't have them on Sunday night baseball uh, at any point during the course of the year. So I didn't really talk to him or seen him that much. And I was standing outside the Astros uh, cage before uh, they got started yesterday in their pregame workouts. He was the first guy to step into the box. And he gets into the batter's box and there's music playing overhead for batting practices. There always is. And he's dancing and he's got these really colorful socks and he takes a swing and then he's dancing some more in the box. And then he takes another swing and he's dancing some more. And that was before the game. And then the game starts, man, did he bring the energy dusty Baker? I mean, he got exactly what he wanted. Well, again, right. I mean, the analytics group that uh, can be so helpful I'm sure that's not something that they were pointing to, but that goes back to the blend of, you know, sort of the old school and the new school, Dusty Baker, James Click um, and his team and Dusty just having a feel. And, and we cannot um, neglect that and really just cast that aside, the human element and what clicks and connects in terms of personality, in terms of energy, vibration and all that through a team. I also think you look at Chaz McCormick as well. And man, yeah, he had a tough time in game one. It was hard for him to even make contact, that big swing. And it seems like they really had found his hole. So uh, I would say all things pointing towards uh, that move that Dusty Baker made just on the outward. But, you know, Dusty knowing the inward of the personality and the energy he brings. And, you know, again, like when you talk about that energy buster, it's interesting um, whether we end up talking about Alex Bregman or not. But Alex Bregman used to be kind of a guy in his own way that would stir and provoke stuff, you know, to come out of other, you know, other, his teammates 
that would take the team to that next level. And he seems like someone has just like taken a couple batteries from him this year in terms of that, that edge, that side to him. Now I know he's not hitting and sometimes that hitting and success um, gives you a little bit more moxie and everything else, but um, that's been lacking. And for me, I, I just feel like ever since the, the cheating scandal um, was revealed that he's just not been the same guy personality wise on the field. It's interesting you say as you were talking, <clears throat> I was thinking back to when I covered the Yankees and Derek Jeter was that guy, you know, because you were there. Uh, he, in the lowest moments for the Yankees, what was always consistent was Derek was convinced that he was going to find a way to kick the other team's butt. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter what the situation was. You know, when he'd come back to the dugout and the starting pitch would be on the mound, he could be throwing 110 miles an hour with a nasty, with a Dwight Gooden curveball. And Derek's comment when he came back to the dugout was he's got nothing. And that yeah. I think that was Derek's perspective. And that was sort of the role that he played on that team. You know, Paul O'Neill's confidence could go up and down. Uh, mm-hmm. Tina Martinez's confidence, Jorge Posada's confidence, they could go up and down. Derek was resolute. And that's the way I always saw to Bregman. Like mm-hmm. he had this great cocky swagger and, and you're hundred percent right. And, and I know he drove in their first run with a sack fly yesterday but in watching that, I, I felt like it was more of a relief than something that Bregman necessarily expected in that moment because, man, he looks lost at the plate. Well, the, the, the interesting thing, Buster, and you've watched players you know, for decades, is the difference between – and taking nothing away, it was great for him to help manufacture that run. Right. But the difference between the guy that is really confident and has that edge, he's – a little ticked off that he only delivered a sack fly, you know what I'm saying? Instead of a two run. Yeah. Whereas I think to your point, a little bit of sigh of relief that, that Bregman could produce in that situation. But, you know, Bregman at, at the top of his game, I think is a guy that's like, you know, he's, he's pissed off because he didn't hit that ball out of the ballpark. And maybe he was, but I, and maybe it's not fair to say we didn't see all the camera shots of him, um, you know, after that at bat, but that's the kind of stuff that, that, that hungry, greedy sort of um, attitude that you see really good players have um, when they're competing that even though they may have something that's productive, they still want more, you know, they want more out of it. They're, they're, they're angry because they didn't do more damage with that opportunity. Tell me what you saw of the two starting pitchers in game two, Jose Arquiti and Max Freight. Yeah, it was really, it was refreshing. Um, and I know you'll agree with this. It was refreshing to see a guy just pound the strike zone, you know, and Jose Arquiti and, uh, you know, really just, you know, have good command with his pitches and work quickly. That's the other thing we, you know, talking earlier about, you know, the uh, pace of play or the, uh, the time of game last night, Marquiti had a lot to do with that, with just being ready to go and, uh, and throw the next pitch and, and trusting what Maldonado was putting down. So, you know, I, I thought that was, uh, something that has been a little rare this postseason. Um, so that was nice and refreshing on the flip side with, with Max Freed, it's, I don't know if we want to go there per se, but I just feel like the confidence level for him and and confidence is so many times it's, it's tied to success, right? What comes first, you know, confidence or success, success or confidence. And and I feel like he had so much success um, last time out in a big game against the Dodgers, right? Really big opportunity uh, for him. And he wasn't able to come through. Okay. Now Buster, Charlie Morton goes down game one. 
this, even though it's game two in the series, there's a lot of pressure in my opinion. And I said this going into the game. If the Braves do not win the Max Freed starts this World Series, they do not win the World Series. That's my opinion. And I feel that with Charlie Morton going down, even though it's early in the series, there became a significant amount of pressure on Max Freed to perform and to get the W, whether he gets the win or it's a team win that day. So, um, you, you know, you, to his credit though, the, those, they had a gang of singles that second inning and scoring all of those runs. So it wasn't like they were hitting missiles all over the ballpark. And then when he got back on track in that third, fourth, um, into the fifth, uh, or wherever he ended up very impressive. So I think two parts for Max Freed. You know, part A wasn't great. Part B was really good um, for Akiti. Exactly what the Astros needed. See, it's interesting you you say that. Um, is that was playing along? You know, I was. Uh, you know, they get behind big early. They're down, which you know, four run deficit after a couple of innings, and you're like, oh boy, okay, what do, what do the Braves do in this situation with Freed? Given the fact that they don't have Charlie Morton, and I posed the question on the broadcast. Uh, okay. Do you begin to make a strategic retreat if you are the Braves, knowing that Max Fried's innings and his performance is so crucial? Do you get him out of the game after three innings and 50 pitches to potentially line him up, uh, you know, for a game five on uh, on three days rest and then be able to bring him back for game seven in, in bullpen? Um, and from what I understand, part of the thinking yesterday was, Look, not only you know do you hope that you can come back and win game two, but there was an element of we need to to get him settled in. We need to get him settled down. And that makes sense to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does. And I think you need the innings uh, as well, because in game one, even though right. it wasn't a safe situation, it's quote unquote a comfortable lead, but you don't really have comfortable leads these days with the way that offenses swing to slog and hit home runs. And then you take a high powered offense like the Astros. So the last thing, in my opinion, in watching game one, Snitker could do with an early departure of Charlie Morton, a comfortable lead. We have to bag this game. So we, we have to use high leverage and get to the finish line. With that said, you had no AJ mentor available. Um, yeah. So, so with, Game two, you had to get more innings out of Max Fried. So I think a couple things to your point. Yes, um, get him to settle down, settle in, get on track. But also we need more outs out of you because even though there's an off day travel day in between game two and game three, these bullpen guys also been working a lot as well. And so you you with three games in a row, three, four, five, you want to try to have them a little fresher in terms of the high leverage guys. But, uh, you know, we had some good stuff last night that we were able to look at. And one of the things we did talk about was Kyle Wright getting that seat, yeah. uh, solid inning, three strikeouts, and what that might set up um, in terms of options for Brian Snicker later in the series. And he could potentially Kyle Wright would be absolutely fascinating. And, you know, the full disclosure, got the full uh, fully invested in him because he's a Vanderbilt guy. I've known him since, uh, you know, he was an undergrad and uh, great, great, you know, terrific person when you talk to him. And the Braves have always believed in his talent number, uh, you know, first round pick. And, uh, you know, their spring trainings, when you talk to scouts, they say, boy, the, the guy has the best stuff down here in Florida is Kyle Wright. But then he would get promoted into the big leagues and he would struggle, especially with his command. And it looked like the game was speeding up on him. 
Yeah. The last time before yesterday, the Braves gave an op- opportunity in the postseason was notoriously that game in the NLCS last year against the Dodgers in which he didn't make it out of the first inning. Two-thirds of an inning, he allowed seven runs. The Dodgers put up 11 runs in the top of the first inning against him. And, and just I remember watching that going, boy, I, I you know, you wonder if the Braves – are going to feel like maybe it's just not going to work out for Kyle with the Braves. But we talked to Snicker the other day after they added Kyle to the, to the major league, uh, to the world series roster. And he said, you know what? He's had less than 300 innings in the minor leagues. We think his stuff is great. He just hasn't had been able to get a lot of experience. And, you know, he was down at Gwinnett for most of this year, 137 innings, just a couple of appearances in the big leagues. He stretched out. He could actually give some innings. And I thought it was smart of the Braves to give him an inning for Brian to give him an inning at the end of that game last night to get his feet wet because they may have to rely on him at some point. Yeah, there's going to be uh, some degree of all hands on deck, I think, uh, you know, for the Braves going through the rest of this series. Uh, So let me ask you, though, I had heard Eduardo say something, uh, mentioned this lightly yesterday about perhaps Wright was rushed to the big leagues a little bit. And, and, you know, guys can have the physical stuff, but mentally, you know, if it comes too fast and you have an experience or two that kind of crushes, you know, that confidence a little bit and it's not something that's obvious, but players deal with all types of performance, you know, issues and challenges. I mean, we got plenty of sports psychologists out there helping guys. But what's your understanding of sort of because he got drafted in what, 17 and then he yep. was in the big leagues in 18. That's right. And we actually had I remember had him. Uh, I think it was an early Sunday night baseball game. It was uh, the Braves first Sunday and he started and he had a similar outing. He, you know, he couldn't throw strikes. Um, and, and, you know, baseball history is filled with guys who struggled at the outset of their career. And then at some point, the light goes on, the talent kicks in and they take off, most notably Sandy Koufax. Right. Mm. But you could even look at the guys on the stabs on both sides uh, in this World Series. Max Fried had a reputation in baseball early in his career. Well, he's soft, you know, mm-hmm. California kid, uh, beach kid. And I asked and snit about that last night and he just laughed because he had heard it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was like, boy, this, he's so competitive. It just took Max Fried a little bit more time from Valdez, right? Mm-hmm. He's not 22. He's 27 years old. Took him some time to yeah. figure it out. So, you know, maybe this is Kyle Wright's moment. I, it, it would be fun to see him get that opportunity and see how he responds before we go. I want to ask you about Jose Altuve. Uh, he has uh, 22 home runs in 75 games in the postseason. And I asked him jokingly after the game last night about, you know, what, uh, how does he turn into Jeff Bagwell uh, <laughs> once we get into the postseason? That's yeah, he, he's, he's great. And one thing you, uh, I, I think you noted this it is either during the broadcast or in the post game show, which I 100% agree with and is spot on about Jose Altuve, because obviously with the Astro success, you know, over the last five, six years, we've done a lot of games. They've been in the postseason a lot. But what's interesting is that as good, as great as Jose Altuve is, when he's not hitting, when he has a little mini slump, it's almost like you're around him and the, the world is like coming to an end. And, and there's this, he's got this humility to him 
that he may never get a hit again. It's like this, this as good as he is, he's an MVP, all of this stuff. And everybody's like, man, this guy's going to roll out of bed and get a hit that he still has that fear, if you will, and respect for the game that I might not ever, you know, get a hit again. And he's so driven and he, and he carries it. Like he, he cares a ton. And, uh, I think that's what I appreciate about him is that he's just uh, he he's unassuming, man. And he's so good. And he's got so much plate coverage for a little guy that, you know, people think they can throw him away and he just stays square to the plate, gets those, keeps those hands in the right slot and, and takes that pitch on the outer third and pulls it still to left center field. It's funny you say you mentioned, and I love this conversation. We've talked so much about mental approach in in uh, sports, all these guys at the top of the game, their games in the top of their profession, and yet so different mentally. Uh, I texted AJ Hinch, the Astros uh, former manager, now a manager of the Tigers, uh, after Altuve ripped the double in his first plate appearance, and I said to him, I said, you know, I I almost would have bet the family farm that Altuve was going to get a hit after hearing you for years tell stories about his anxiety about getting hits yeah. and he, you know, he texted back, no doubt. So that, yeah. that uh, boy, it's going to be fun as we move forward. All right, yeah. Sengi, thanks for doing this. Okay. Safe travels, Wester. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe, and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, a reporter and a producer for MLB.com. And Sarah, I was thinking about this, uh, you know, after the first two games of this World Series. I think you'd agree with me. They weren't really great games at all. Uh, in terms of being close and having a lot of drama. Uh, the 2011 World Series was a really lousy World Series right up until arguably the greatest game of all time. <laughs> game six, uh, you know, the David Freeze game uh, and the way that that turned out. Another one, too, 1960. You remember how, like, the, the Yankees kept blowing out the Pirates yeah. and then the Pirates would come back and find a way to win and it ends in a walk-off home run by Bill Mazeroski. I don't know. Maybe we're in store for something like that at the end of this series because these two teams are so evenly matched. 
I would totally believe it. I mean, I was, you know, when I made my pick entering the series, I, I said Astros and six, I'm holding myself accountable every day. I was comforted to see that I was not the only person picking like a six or seven game world series. I do think there were a lot of people expecting that these teams were evenly matched again, despite regular season performance and everything else that might give you evidence to the contrary. And so far, I mean, To your point, yeah, these haven't necessarily been the closest of games, but you could definitely see how the gap is kind of closing and we could end up with one of those 2-1 classics or something like that. And with your 2011 comparison, I mean, yesterday was the anniversary of the David Freeze game and today is the anniversary of that game seven. So, uh, you know, I feel like that's one that people have been talking about a lot, obviously 10 years, which is crazy and uh, would be really great to get another classic like that. I am totally putting you on the spot without giving you any chance to prepare on this. Do you consider game six, 2011 to be your greatest game of all time? Cause that's, I, I think that that's mine. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, I, I was tweeting about this yesterday. I have such a distinct memory of watching that cause I was in college and uh, that was early on in college. And I was watching with a couple new friends. I had just gotten there uh, in our dorm lounge And it was, you know, it's the evening, it's nighttime, right? People are in college, they're going to go out to parties, whatever else. And someone in our dorm came down right as David Freeze was batting in the ninth inning, stands in front of the TV to ask if anybody is going somewhere. I yelled at her really badly. Um, I still remember this. I talked to one of my best friends about this constantly. Whenever that game comes up, I text him her name in all caps. Um, And he was talking about how she's kind of the villain in my origin story was the way that he put that. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it was just an incredible game. And, you know, for me as someone who was getting to make new friends for the first time in a long time and everything else, it was really like one of those power of baseball moments because there were a bunch of us just huddled around this TV that wasn't all that big watching this game so entranced by it. And it was such an incredible game to be witnessing in that way. But I I still can't believe it happened. And obviously I didn't have any specific rooting interests either way or anything like that, but it was just such a captivating, incredible game. Uh, I'm old and you're not. And so I I wish you could have seen game six, of the 1975 world series, because as that played out moment to moment, you know, Bernie Carbo's pinch hit three run homer in the eighth inning. Uh, You know, Denny Doyle getting thrown out at home plate. The great catch by Dwight Evans, you know, is the reason why Pete Rose turned to Carlton Fisk and said to him in extra innings, boy, isn't this great (laughs) before Fisk walk off home run. That would be in the competition, but I, I, I agree with you. I think game six, 2011 was the best. All right, let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is eight. So game three is going to be between two rookie starting pitchers with Luis Garcia and Ian Anderson. It's going to be just the eighth World Series game between two rookie starting pitchers. And the first since 2006 game one between Anthony Reyes and Justin Berlander, speaking of a different era of Cardinals. And I'm staring at the starting lineups from that one. I just have to throw a couple names at you real quick. Uh, so, of course, we got Maglia Ordonez in there for the Tigers. Grandy, Curtis Granderson leading off Sean Casey in there, Brandon and Ramon Santiago batting ninth for the Tigers. And then of course, Yadi Molina in there batting eighth for the cards and David Eckstein leading off just a really, really fun uh, lineup to go look at if anyone is interested on both sides. Number two. Number two is three. So this split 
entering the three is for game three uh, means that there is a lot on the line in the game three. We've got a one, one tie so far and in all best of seven series tied one, one, the winner of that third game has triumphed in the series 66 of 96 times. So 69%, almost 70%. So we know this is a pivotal game and that's just even more evidence to that point. Number one. Number one is one. So this is something I was uh, looking into yesterday. I think it's really fun. So at least one first inning run has now been scored in seven straight World Series games, dating back to game two of last year's World Series. That is tied for the longest such streak all time, which was uh, October 5th, 1927 to October 7th, 1928. Again, Back then, there were no other rounds. So the World Series was a little earlier in October. But I just think that this is a really fun thing about this World Series is you have to be in your seat early. you got to be ready because we've been seeing a lot of scoring. And, you know, we'll see if that continues and sets a record in Game 3. Yeah, it was to the degree that uh, we were talking on our uh, broadcast last night about whether or not uh, Snitker should do a strategic withdrawal with Max Free to get him out of the game and, and save him for later in the series. All right, uh, before you go, give me the name of a player that you think might be a surprise, pivotal, uh, you know, play a surprise, pivotal role. Well, you know, I was thinking about Kyle Wright because we saw everything that he did in the postseason for them last year. He was really crucial. I know it sort of fell apart towards the end of that NLCS, but we were talking about all of their rookie and young pitchers, especially early on in that postseason run. And he was a big part of it. And I think that with Charlie Moore now, I I just feel like the answer to this question kind of has to be a pitcher on the Braves because they're going to have to piece together a rotation and figure out exactly who is going to be able to give them even just one of those starts of three or four plus really, really good innings moving forward to fill that spot. And, you know, it was very exciting to see him sort of mentioned with Ian Anderson and in that conversation amongst these really exciting rookies for the Braves last year. And again, sort of fell off towards the end there. So it would be really great to see him back in that conversation this postseason. Yeah, it really would. It would be fun. The next few days are going to be absolute blast uh, because these two teams are so closely matched. All right, Sarah, thanks for doing this. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for having me, Buster. Enjoy your trip down. One of the best players in baseball, Ronald Acuna Jr. of the Braves, who, of course, suffered that season-ending knee injury in July. Well, Marley Rivera talked to Acuna Jr. First of all, Ronald, congratulations. The Braves are in the World Series, so thank you for being here today. Ronald, what was the first reaction that you had when you had that terrible injury and you knew that the year was over? Bueno, de verdad que cuando pasó eso, yo... El dolor, las lágrimas me corrían, pero yo nunca pensé que, que iba a estar fuera de la temporada hasta que, lo, hasta que los trainers me dijeron, pero nada, eso, eso fue, es parte de lo, del proceso. Dios lo quiso así, nada, eso me ayudó a mí a seguir trabajando y a seguir poniéndome más fuerte. Ronnie's saying that actually when the injury happened, he's like, I was in so much pain, I was in tears. It was a really terrible moment for me, but I had no idea that it would be the end of my season. But you never know what happens and things happen for a reason and that's why we are here today. Ronald. What is the next step? ¿Qué es lo próximo que tienes que hacer con la rodilla? Bueno, nada, seguir trabajando. Yo creo que, como te dije anteriormente, esa parte del proceso, seguir trabajando, seguir haciendo mi rehabilitación hasta que pueda continuar lo, los entrenamientos de pelota y nada, esperar el año que viene con el favor de Dios. ¿Cuál es el próximo paso de la rehabilitación? Nada, esta semana comienza a soltar el brazo y a, y a batear, que, 
para mí eso es una de las cosas más importantes. Empezaba a batear y nada, después empezaba a hacer la agilidad y a seguir fortaleciendo la pierna. Ronnie's telling me about his rehab process and the number one thing that he's saying, actually next week, he's giving us a little bit of breaking news. He's going to start tossing a ball and doing a little bit of light running. He's like, it's just part of the rehab. I need to follow all the steps and try not to stay ahead of, of, of myself. And finally, Ronnie, what is it like to be watching this from the outside? You know, something that hasn't happened in so long. ¿Cómo es tener que ver esto desde afuera? Uno tener que estar fuera de las líneas, ¿verdad? Cuando uno sueña con estar en la Serie Mundial. Bueno, bien difícil. De verdad que yo siempre lo he soñado y siempre he dicho desde P-Training que uno va a hacer la Serie Mundial de P-Training, uno se prepara desde allí, pero es bien difícil estar aquí y no puede jugar. Pero nada, aquí sigo dándole el 200% a mis compañeros para, para ser campeones con el fútbol de Dios. The number one thing for me, it's really, really hard to watch this, but I am here supporting my team. I'm here to make sure that they do well, and I'm here to just emotionally support them, but it really is hard. From spring training, you prefer to be in the World Series, and I wasn't able to be in the World Series. So it certainly is disappointing, but we're happy for the Braves. Bleacher Tweets. All righty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for Thursday. First up is Kevin Clark. At Baseball Tide Show? Hmm, not sure about that. Kevin writes... Tyco. Tyco? Oh, there you go. Kevin says, I think your son should be a guest on the pod through the with the Braves in the World Series. What do you think about that, Buster? I think if they win... Yeah, he has no sure. interest in that. He came to Baseball Tonight once when I was on it. Uh, they put him on air, and he's been mortified about being on television <laughs> ever since. We could put him on the phone. I mean, how do you no, feel about... I had no interest. Absolutely none. I can <laughs> promise you that. All right, all right. We'll move on. Reggie at Greenfield and mine. Reggie changes up his uh, his Twitter handle a, a lot, but we know who Reggie Greenfields is. of the mind, which we'll be playing after the at the end of the last podcast, the uh, years we do every year. Of course, of course. Uh, Reggie writes in a fun World Series fact, assuming the score holds in Houston splits, the first two at home. The last three teams to split the first two games at home all lost the World Series, all losing game seven at home. Royals in 2014, Indians in 2016, and the Dodgers at 2017. Well, well, then that would be good news for the uh, for the Atlanta Braves. Indeed. Reggie, he follows up with a great question here. He writes in how oh, much cache he's asking, how much cache should I get for betting the under in game one of the series? And does Buster owe you an apology after he ridiculed your bet? As Milo Hamilton always said, baseball is the most unpredictable game in the world. And Buster, I'm not going to pry an apology out of you, but I just want to let the listeners know uh, in game one, I did. I hit on the Braves money line, uh, a Rosario hit, and I pushed on that over under in game one because it was eight. But then last night, four for four, Buster, Astros money line, Altuve home run, Bregman no hits, Rosario no hits. I'm on fire right now. So, I'll, wow. Yeah, I got to okay. I got to look at what I like on uh, on Friday night. But uh, yeah, no apologies needed, Buster. We'll, we'll move so on. just uh, just to review the over under was eight. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. And you bet yep. the under and how many runs are scored? Eight. So no, and that's so why I said no you, apology. Okay. You know, okay. Yeah. I'm just I'm I'm doing that for Reggie. Like but you I'm acted not, like I was crazy. I'm not backing off. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not backing off what I said. Uh, you know, uh, you didn't uh, lose your bet. You didn't win your bet either. Anyway, but nice job with those bets last night. And and you did that Altuve thing without talking to me. I know. I know. I was. I, you know what? I feel like 
I, I, you know, I was putting my bets and I was like, I should have obviously asked the baseball savant buster only in my life about what he's thinking. So maybe, maybe I'll pick your brain tomorrow. Ooh, boy. I, I, don't, know. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go down that road. Uh, we'll keep, we'll keep it offline. We'll keep it offline. Oh my. Uh, Kyle Benning is our last tweeter for today. Kyle writes in what's been more inconsistent this postseason: the up and down performance from start to start of starting pitchers. So many guys that follow great starts with a terrible one or the umpire strike zones. Yikes. A lot of complaints about the strike zone last night well you don't want the umpire's uh, strike zone to be a major variable um and if in fact they go to an electronic strike zone in the next three years and i think that they will um that uh, that'll be a big factor because increasingly people in the sport are not comfortable with that being a variable that we talk about during games Alrighty, that does it for Bleacher Tweets. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter on the off day. Thanks for writing in, everyone. And please follow, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And that's it for today. My thanks to Singy, to Sarah, to Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Thanks for listening to the Baseball Tonight podcast. If you're playing fantasy baseball, check out the Fantasy Focus podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. The Baseball Tonight Podcast. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.